Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 28th day of January, 2015. We're here with my co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, we're going to do a little talking today here about if you run the risk of going to the hospital, some of the things you, you don't need to do and some of the things you better be doing. Uh, first thing is stay at home, take care of yourself. But if you feel something coming on, uh, don't hesitate, get right in there. Don't wait around. They got some bad stuff floating around the country. And uh, so you wanna you wanna really get on it. And they also was going to talk a little bit about this fine lady out west there that seemed to have a knack for ripping off veterans on their claims, which is a story I find hard to believe, but my lands, we see everything as veterans. So we kind of wanted to bring that in, too. Yeah, that poor lady wanted to... She decided she was going to take the cash, take the money, and run. Yeah, she took a veteran's money and ran. She did more than that, buddy. What, about 300 grand, wasn't it, or more? Yeah, she sure ripped off the VA. She did a, did a pretty stand-up job working at the regional office down there, and I think it's in Waco, Texas. Oh, is that Waco? Yeah. Oh. She had... Uh, Oh my land! She even made a. I think she even made a post office box up to defer payments to one of her family members. Everything. She was a real piece of work. She was going after, wasn't she? Yeah, but uh, she got some time in the honky donkey, the, the the pokey, and uh, serious time. She's a young lady, and she was actually pregnant. And got two kids. Well, it's a shame to see something like that happening. But uh, there was no call for to do that kind of shenanigans. Uh, here, poor veteran out there, probably more than one, uh, out there uh, in a world of hurt, yeah. try, trying to provide for their family best they can yeah. and hold everything together. And, and then you got someone pull that on you. That happens, though. I mean, you can just watch the news. You'll see this stuff happen every day. Well, it does happen every day, and it happens a lot more than... That just happened to be an extra-large case, and uh, I believe it happens a lot more than than, uh, what the veteran community is really aware of. Now, maybe I'm just being a, a hard head on that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my feeling <laughs> anyway. Well, you know, that's definitely a, not been a hard head drill. I mean, it, it is what it is. Well, if you have money and you have people, uh, there's a opportunity there for misappropriation and unfortunately the funds that the the uh, funds or appropriations were to go to help uh, 
somehow they end up way down on the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. And there's too many fingers in the pie before it gets to them to where it can actually help them. And we do have a lot of Native veterans oh. and uh, and families. Well, I've got the story in front of me here. She uh, she actually defrauded the federal government out of more than $650,000. How in the world could it get that much? I just... Unreal. If she was that good in her job, look how many veterans she could have helped. Well, she's 32 years old. She's a young gal. She was uh, pregnant, two small kids, got 46 months in federal prison. They fined her $1,000 in order to pay back $154,400 in restitution. She pleaded guilty last October to theft of government property. She worked at the Rainco Regional Office for seven years. She apologized her, yeah. According to the record, she was a senior ratings veterans service center representative, or VSR. Uh, she fraudulently posed as a veteran service representative with a veterans organization and offers to assist veterans in obtaining VA benefits for a fee. Oh, no. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to tell you, uh, if you're a veteran in a bad way and right away someone wants to come up and starts charging you a fee for their specialty services, they know all the rules and regulations and this and that, uh, be certain to check them out. Don't pay pay nobody nothing until you know them. Gerald, we got James Cripps on. Hang on a second. Oh. Well. Yeah. Running a little late. Good morning. Overslept. Good morning. That's all right, James. We're all oversleep. We're veterans, ain't we? (laughs) Well, I was was hard at it. Well, how are you doing today? It's very good, good to hear you, boys. Yeah, doing good. We was touching base about this corporate down there and and uh, or scandal down there in Waco, Texas, stealing these poor veterans' money. Eleven high on the hog. I don't know. Oh. What. Isn't that disgraceful? Which organization are you talking about? That was uh, where this this young young gal uh, uh, ended up with over six hundred thousand dollars of VA money. I don't, I, I don't think a, I've heard of that. Yeah, that's been in the news. Yeah, she worked for the uh, regional office down in Waco. She was a rating RBSR rating service veteran representative in the regional office. Uh, she uh, so had a pretty good scam going on, James. She uh, she uh, she embezzled the uh, fraud of the government out of six hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus. Uh, she actually uh, she's actually a young gal. She's thirty two years old and uh, was pregnant and had two smaller kids. She got 46 months in the federal pen and found her a thousand bucks. She had to pay a hundred, over $150,000 in restitution. She pleaded guilty, but what she did is um, she fraudulently posed as a veteran service rep with the veterans organization, and she offered to assist, to assist veterans in obtaining a VA benefits. But she charged a fee, and they started digging into that. And found out she. Uh, Unlawfully increased the veterans' rating to 100% service connecting. Uh, she did all kinds of stuff. She made a, she uh, forged and backdated the application for benefits for a family member. She opened a post office box as part of her scheme so she could intercept VA letters to a family member and steal the money. So uh, she had a pretty good thing going on. I would imagine she did. I know every once in a while they 
they latch on to one of them that uh, just just crooked people. Oh, you will. Um, it, go ahead, Jake. I'm sure you heard about the one that we had here in Nashville, Tennessee, um, a raider that just decided on his own that uh, he was going to take a little trip to Washington. And he went up to Washington and worked for months. Oh, uh, run up a big hotel bill, spent a lot of money. Uh, and when they caught up with him, they just uh, they let him retire. Oh. But it, <laughs> it, it was way, way up in the thousands of dollars. Yeah, um, hotel rooms in Washington ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't care the about it, you know, I didn't hear you. Don't they have what any was, oversight? Uh, 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 auditing? Only in house in hindsight, I guess, Gerald. No, they hire a guy seven foot four to look over top of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're probably right, John. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's there's no call for letting that type of stuff happen. And I think it happens more than what we're really aware of. The smaller deals you don't hear about. But they're just as damaging. Well, I think the way this thing seems to be working, yes. uh, the, 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 the gist that I get out of it is... Right now, the VA seems per- perfectly happy with the uh, schedule and schedule uh, schedule gate fiasco mm-hmm. because that's demanding all of the the attention and taking the spotlight off of compensation claims backlog. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know. You know, when is when's the last time you heard of, of the backlog, you know, compensation well, backlog? Heard about it yesterday. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, Congress well, actually is. I feel it every day personally, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do too. Actually, the, the Veterans Committee is going after the VA because uh, even though they're supposed to have a certain reduction numbers in the actual claims backlog, which the numbers are reducing at a pretty good amount... However, they're reducing to the fact that the claims are coming off the claims backlog, but all of a sudden the appeals backlog is climbing very rapidly. <laughs> well, I know that there, yeah. there's, another, there's another side to that. Uh, I know when the VA uh, quotes the existing backlog, they, they only talk about new claims. Appeals are not... Uh, no, part nothing of said about it. Nothing, nothing said about appeals. But well, then there's one. another category. There's another category. Uh, more than a year ago, I asked for my claim. I have a claim in for a vehicle grant, loss of use of right foot. Um, they denied that claim. I asked for a reconsideration. They denied the reconsideration. So then I filled out the form and checked send it to the board. That's been way over a year ago now. It was due to be adjudicated according to the VA June the 16th of last year. Uh, They said they would know something by the 4th of July for sure. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear anything by the 4th of July, so I went back up and they said they they really needed more time. Give them until September the 16th. Uh, September 16th rolled around and didn't hear anything. So the next date that was set that it was going to be adjudicated by, you know, it comes out on e-benefits, was December the 4th. Mm -hmm. We'll have it by, we're going to do something by December the 4th. Um, Went back up uh, 1st of January, and uh, now they've postponed it again. So it's in it's in never never land. It's not in appeals yet, but then it's not a new claim either. So it's not countable. 
I wonder well, how many they got in that category. We've had some. Well, it'll go from the appeals down to Nashville Resource Center. Yeah. Then they'll come back to the appeals, and then they'll sit on the wall, and then they'll contact you and say, well, they've had to send a few letters out. They're waiting on a response back from them as soon as possible. And then after you get tired of hearing that racket, uh, finally somebody will write something up and send it back to the uh, uh, the court or the... BVA of the Peels. Yeah, BAB. And then they'll sit on it for a few months, and they'll say, oh, wait a minute, you guys didn't do this. And then they'll turn around, and, and they'll write up this big, nice letter for you, and they'll send it back to the Appeals Management Center for them to get off their hind ends and do the right job. Yeah, and you know, uh, then they'll sit on it for however long, and you know, the process—it's uh, it, well, it's a well corrugated uh, operation, and and that's how they found they can do this and and keep these claims in the system. Blaming it on the backlog—it's not the backlog at all. It's nothing but uh, uh, being shysters. Uh, this is what they do. They're good at what they do, and uh, they take a lot of pride in what they do. James, can I give you a word of advice on this issue? <clears throat> sure. We've been having a lot of success with some folks on the site. Uh, several of them have actually took took to the computer and have actually had direct contact with Bob McDonald's office, and they've got some results in just a very short amount of time. Um, You know, when I was um, pursuing my claim for Agent Orange exposure inside the continental United States, the DOD's position was we have never, ever used tactical herbicides inside the continental United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the word that they were laughing at my claim around the water cooler at the regional office. They were talking about this veteran who was exposed to Agent Orange while he was hunting and fishing at Fort Gordon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, well, you know, if we're going to get serious about that, the first thing i got to do is stop the laughing. You know, somebody needs to know I'm serious. So I wrote the President of the United States, the Secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs, all the congressmen, all the senators, everybody in Nashville, Tennessee, from the commissioner on down, all the service organizations, and it all came out at the same time. Um, and yeah, that got results. Um, the service center manager called me at seven o'clock in the morning. He said, I've had to work all night. He said, I got a letter from the secretary of the department of veterans affairs and the president of the United States. And I had to answer them. I said, well, good. <laughs> By the time you had to answer somebody. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I hear that. Yeah. So it, it gets results. Um, but when you start that, you got to be serious and you got to carry through to the end. You know, you can't yes. write just can't write just one letter and stop. You right. have to you pour it all through. Yeah, you you have got to follow through and you got to finish the job. But if you don't, know, your claim gets stuck back where the sun don't shine. What it does, uh, James. Once somebody at that level gets a hold of an issue, and they become concerned about the issue, they reach they they go down. You know, of course, it's all a you know it's all a big it's all a big organization. So, fortunately, in the world, you know, crap still rolls down. You know, it still rolls downhill, and it actually allows the secretary to 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 make a point. And it allows him to contact the regional office service center manager and wake him up and say, "Hey, check this guy out." 
and it actually, you know, it 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 gives them a little bit of incentive to go ahead and start working on something. And you're right, the veteran has to follow through, but at least, you know, they're like, well, uh, God, they're on top of this. We better do something, you know. Yeah. Well, James, James certainly has the right idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit them all at one time. Just take a big box to the post office and mail them all out at the same time. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Because uh, as uh, somebody in that that hunk of idiots that you've just sent all this hard work to. Somebody's going to say, well, you know, wait a minute. I don't want this reflecting back on me in any which way. And maybe he'll talk to his his beer-drinking buddy or coffee-drinking buddy and uh, say, you know, let's do something. We don't want this this kind of kind of stuff going around. Let's, let's uh, see if we can't get it taken care of. And as a rule, that's how things get done. And uh, maybe not 100% of the time, but I'd say your odds are 99% better doing a deal like that. Uh, don't pick just one. Pick them all. What gets pick me, them all. What gets me, guys, is we're losing over 200 veterans a day. Now, that's those 200 we're losing... You know, I don't know how many were service connected, but it's kind of the way I see it. It's like a bus. Okay, the money is there. Okay, put the money in a circle, and the bus goes around the circle. One veteran gets off, one veteran gets on. So it's not really new money, you see. You know, so, but you know, that's that's the issue. Yes. Uh, well, the thing you run into though, John, one one guy gets off the bus, and then you got some idiots back here trying to kick. Three more off. Well, that's true, but they also lock the doors on the bus and nobody can get on, too. <laughs> yes, they do do that. And, uh, would it not be uh, interesting if they would run the numbers on how many veterans have died waiting on a decision on their claims? I don't believe you'd believe the numbers. No, it would be just so astronomical. It, it, would, it, it would be, oh, Unreal, unreal. You know, I don't it's think they would. That if you stop think about it. I don't think they have the capability to do that. Well, um, they know. Well, <laughs> you you got to want to do it first. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, so. You know what? What would the world be like on the civilian side if you went down and you applied for your food stamps, and your decision was? A year, two years, three years out. Well, you're going to get hungry. Mr. Mighty Scoop. You're going to get mighty hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's exactly what's happening to veterans, Uh, except it's in a, you're talking about sick veterans. Uh, That's the shame in all of this. Well, they're wanting to force them back into the workplace where. they can leech off of them some more. They ain't through with them while they're alive. Uh, so they they want to get them down where they're totally, totally gone. Folks, I want to give you guys a little rundown on James. Uh, James has been on the radio show before. Uh, James is a... Uh, a Vietnam Air veteran. He was actually stationed stateside, uh, and he was stationed, I guess, Fort Gordon, Georgia. Is that right, James? Fort Gordon, Georgia. And uh, he's actually had the, uh, I guess he was kind of like a game warden. Uh, you know, he uh, went all over the countryside down on the fort, and they sprayed the pond and stuff and, uh, with Agent Orange and things like that. And, uh, well, he started getting sick and had a lot of VA presumptive issues, and, uh, he filed a claim, and uh, they kept snowballing him on his claim, and he'd done some stuff by people you wouldn't believe. He he, he didn't, I guess he changed his claim and, and filed direct service connection. Is that right, James? Um, yeah. When I first filed my claim, uh, one of the questions on the form were, was, were you ever um, 
exposed to Agent Orange during your military service? And I checked no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was, you know, miles and miles and miles away from maybe Agent Orange. But I listed the diseases, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the diabetes and, and the neuropathy and the chloracne, and uh, I had no idea what was causing those. I, I knew they were service-connected, and I knew I, her- I sprayed a herbicide. I just couldn't put a name. Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't know that, that Agent Orange was a herbicide. So uh, after Lane Evans requested a list from Donald Rumsfeld of where Agent Orange or tactical herbicides had been used outside Vietnam, uh, and Fort Gordon came out on the list, then I wrote VA and I said, you know, I don't want to change what I'm claiming. I just want to put it in an order for you. Um, I want to claim the chloracne, my acne form disease, as chloracne, uh, due to Agent Orange exposure. Uh, I want to claim the diabetes as due to the Agent Orange exposure. I want to claim the neuropathy as secondary to the diabetes. I want to claim the heart disease as secondary to diabetes because heart disease, uh, the new ischemic heart disease, wasn't rule, rule wasn't effective at that time. But once I found out about about the the herbicides being used at Fort Gordon, what they were, then it made more sense, and I could put put everything into perspective. So yeah, that that made it winnable, uh, with a lot of work. Yeah, but uh, didn't you have to do something above and beyond to get it proven that they used them? Oh yeah, yeah. I had to travel to Fort Gordon. Um, one of my big problems was I was in transportation, and uh, I drove for the deputy commanding general at Fort Gordon, and upon his retirement, he had me appointed as a game warden. Mm-hmm. Uh, changed my MOS to an MP. Um, but when, when they first turned my claim down, the reason was you say you were a game warden, and the record shows that you were an MP. So I had to actually travel to Fort Gordon, and there I learned there was no additional skill identifier for the game of for the uh, job of game warden. Um, the way I finally got around that, I, I I got a statement from the post engineer who said he remembered me by name as being the game warden in Fort Gordon, Georgia. Um. I got a letter from the adjutant general at Fort Gordon, and she said during her 30 years' experience, uh, or or backed up by her 30 years' experience in personnel, by examining everything that I had given to her, which was circumstantial evidence, it was her opinion that I was uh, highly likely the game warden. it was like playing whack-a-mole. You know, I proved that point, and then the next decision, it was it, it was denied because of a different reason. So you whack that mole, and then the next. Uh, but it uh, finally was able to win it, and you know I thank God for that. Um, and since then, there have been several other stateside victories. But didn't you go? Didn't you personally find the Agent Orange yourself too? Uh, I didn't personally find it, but I ran into the forester who was down there when I was there, and uh, he wrote a statement for me that said, "I know it would have been within the scope of your job to have sprayed those herbicides." And he handed it back. He signed it and signed it, handed it back to me, and he said. You know, in the early 80s, we found that stash of herbicides just exactly where you said it would be. So, yeah, I didn't find it, but they found it. Um, I said, would you write my statement to that effect? And he took the statement back and put an addendum on the bottom of the statement. Um, But, yeah, I I was able to 
to tell him exactly what was in that building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, it it happens that way sometimes, James. And, you know, it shouldn't be that way. It should never be that way. Well, you know, you you start out uh, in a legal process innocent until you're proven guilty. Well, in the VA, well, it kind of works backwards. You know, we're liars until we can prove that we're not. Well, you're absolutely right, and and uh, you know when you when they're sitting there with all the cards and you uh, you ain't got nothing but a bare hand over here. It's uh, it's a rough road, a body rough road, and you you know, but yet. You can't document it. You got to document everything, and and uh, I think they go to especially dealing with veterans uh, too much hard documentation. You can have documents, and they say, "Well, we don't care about that one. That don't mean nothing." I've had them do it to me. Uh, uh, don't mean nothing. Uh, well, you know, good and well, it means something, but. Uh, but since then, you managed to start a group there where you're helping other veterans too, aren't you, uh, James? How are you doing with that group? I have. Uh, we formed uh, four years ago. We formed an organization, the United States Veterans Alliance (USVA) here in Ashland uh-huh. City. Um, the purpose of that group. Uh, I tried to start a local Vietnam Veterans of America chapter, and I kind of ticked off um, the uh, president of the veteran uh, Vietnam Veterans of, of America in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, uh-huh. I wanted to start the chapter down here, so I went to the state president, and I said, Charlie, what have I got to do to, to, to start a um, chapter in Ashton City? He said, bring me DD-214s of 25 veterans. And they have to be brand new veteran, brand new members now. You can't go robbing other chapters. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, we'll still out getting your state charter if you can do that. So I've got Wow. 84 DD-214s and presented them at the state level uh, and they denied us starting a chapter. And the vote in the state and the vote in the state we didn't get one vote. Every vote was against us. Now these were people who didn't know us but it was talked up by this uh, president in the neighboring county that that didn't like it because I with, withdrew from his chapter. I quit his chapter, and you just don't do that. So I appealed that decision to uh, VVA National in Silver Springs, Maryland. I got a letter back that they had discussed it and held the vote in Silver Springs, Maryland, and the decision was unanimous that we could not have started a chapter here in Ashland City, Tennessee, a little bitty town. Now, why would everybody on that board who didn't know us from Adam and never heard of us voted against us starting a chapter in Ashland City, Tennessee? I wonder why that you was. Know- that's weird, James. I run into the same situation here in Joplin, and uh, it just made me sick. Uh, they they wasn't uh, they were just veterans. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, but uh, why in the world would would they be so hard to deal with? They promised you all this stuff. And then when you get fired up and you 
you run a few ads in the paper and that's that and you have a few people show up and it's a nice camaraderie, you know. And everybody has things in common and and uh try to work with each other. And then you got a bunch of idiots that is obviously so far overpaid or I don't know what kind of income they're getting must be good. Cause they There's a lot of ego involved there, too. Well, it must be. But, uh, what we do don't have nothing to do with ego. What we do is helping people. And uh, I don't consider ego a thing. I'm a, if there's somebody out there that needs help, I for sure want to be one of them that will at least reach the helping hand. Yep. And uh, well, that's, there's for a... them... Them to do that is is just it's unrespectable. There's other agencies out there besides the VVA too, James. Well, we had we had 84 uh, willing prospects, and I had their DD 214s, and we decided one night that we would we could either disband and I could give them all their DD-214s back. We hadn't collected any money. Uh, or we could go ahead and start the process of starting a brand-new 501c3 service organization. We chose a name, the United States Veterans Alliance. Uh, we drew up our bylaws. We applied for the charter in the state of Tennessee. We uh, applied for our... Employer's identification number with the IRS, uh, and we just proceeded to start helping veterans. And one of our biggest things, uh, we meet once a month. We have uh, a team that meets once a month, and for two years we we took that occasion once a month to learn to adjudicate claims learn what it took to, to, to get a decision, a uh, favorable decision on claims. The all of the all of the evidence that had to be sought and it's it's uh individualized, it's uh different requirements for different claims. And when we got really, really good at that, then we just switched over to a workshop and then started inviting inviting veterans in. Um it's open discussion at a round table. Everybody, every veteran there gets permission to discuss their claim uh, in front of the group. And we go around one by one, find out about the claims, and make our recommendations uh, in writing. While I'm talking or we're talking, somebody's typing. And when we get finished at the end of the uh, session, Every veteran gets the letter that was typed instructing him on what he's got to do to prove his claim, to be a success. Mm -hmm. um, if we recommend Nexus letters, we're able to, to tell them which doctors write Nexus letters. Um, we, haven't, we haven't lost a claim yet. Um, in fact, our pipeline right now is pretty clean. We don't have a whole lot in the pipeline. We've been really, really successful. That's a good deal. Well, that's wonderful. Now, that's a success story there. Uh, but it don't come without work and dedication. Uh, comes out, yeah, with... with uh, and what started all of this, Gerald, we had a real good secretary. And it come time for elections, we, we've we got it fixed up where you can only run two terms. We don't want yeah. anybody owning, owning the organization. But no, the secretary, no. secretary stood up and, and she said, I would like to give up my position this time because I want to learn what James knows. And that's how this got started. Because when she said, I would like to learn what James knows as far as helping people get their claims processed and adjudicated, getting a, a decision on them, 
Um, others stood up and said, I'd like to know that too. So uh, we just put it together and, and made good use of that group of interested people who were willing to help veterans. And in our team, we have people who are veterans working on, on claims and people who are non-veterans. Um, and the production rate is just as high on the non-veterans. They're dedicated uh we're thankful for them. Well, I bet you are, and I'll tell you what, if there's anything that our podcast can do or radio show can do for you, I know me and John here will be only too glad to give you all the support that we can, and uh, we respect you, and I'll tell you that. Yeah, we're um, we're online. We have we have a um, Web address and that web address is real simple. It's usva101.org. Well, I don't know. Can we get that? Uh, do we have that posted on the website, John? Uh, do not know, but uh, we you sure should have because I don't think so. Come to think about it. Well, I think you will be. Uh, well, like I say, it's real simple. It's USVA. That stands for United States Veterans Alliance. 101.org. Well, by golly, any help we can give you, James, please don't hesitate. I mean, if there's anything yeah, our mission station. Our, uh, we'll, we'll certainly do it. We'll, we'll even have some special shows for you if you'd like. Yeah, you know this stuff. Uh, this stuff can all all be done over the telephone. People think, well, you know, oh, you're in yeah, Tennessee, yeah, and I'm in Washington. Uh, communication nowadays, all usually all a veteran needs is a direction to be pointed. If he knows yeah, what to go absolutely. after, he can go after it. Well, uh, John's in Kentucky. I'm in the hospital. Home not too much much longer, but you know you get you get tired. He's in the Joplin Hilton. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, you know when you're dealing with a VA, there's a weight on your shoulders that's unexplainable. I always said. I felt like I was being held underwater and somebody had their foot on my head. And that was 24-7-365, so it's hard. Yeah. Anytime you're active in that claim process, especially your initial claim, and you're getting hungry and things like that because, you know, the money's not that good and, you know, that's a struggle in itself. You know, it's a lot of pressure on you, the veteran, and your family. And, uh, you know, but I tell you, once you get your claim settled, you know, with the initial feeling, you get an euphoria feeling because, you know, you get a little back pay. But I've noticed most vets, after they get their decision a couple of weeks later, they run into a depression stage because they realize that, the, well, heck, I'm disabled, you know, can't do anything or whatever, you know, and it kind of it kind of hits you in the back of the head a little bit in your psyche. But, you know, once you pick yourself back up after that decision, you know, award, you know, you kind of... You acclimate, you know, into a, a, a you know a little different mindset, but then you want to go into it and start helping other folks too. You know, the good ones do, and uh, that's why. You well, know, it's about so, the same thing as if a, if a guy ran around for five years saying, "I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid," and all at once after five years, uh, when he gets a decision, the VA agrees, "Yeah, you're stupid." <laughs> <laughs> then you gotta come to grips with that. <laughs> you, you're right. You realize, you know. Yeah, but remember, James, this is a non-adversarial process. <laughs> oh yeah, we're talking about non-adversarial. Don't ever forget that. Uh, you know, the, I guess the worst psychologically I ever was was a day or two after I got my decision. Yep. Because I had always said I sprayed tactical herbicides around controlled fishing lakes. I sprayed picnic tables 
I sprayed the areas where my detail men worked. And my lowest of lows was about two or three days after I got my decision, and they agreed. Yeah, you did this. I never felt so much guilt. Never felt so much guilt in all of my life. You sprayed uh, around in ponds. Yeah. Then you uh, caught the fish and ate them. I can remember people people who fished in those lakes. They were regulars. I saw them, you know, three or four times a week. Uh, and they would come back and they would have families. They would have to have their kids. And I can still remember those kids. I can see those kids' faces. And not 15 minutes before they they arrived at that picnic table, I was spraying that picnic table. Mm-hmm. There's a big big realization there, uh, and he covered a huge area downstream, two watersheds. You know what oh, happened to all of those people? In fact, uh, where's Fort Gordon? Where's Fort Gordon located, James? Exactly in Georgia, what part of the state? Augusta, Augusta Georgia. Oh, okay. They got a big golf course there now, ain't they? Yeah, the Masters. Uh, yeah. When I was driving for the Deputy Commanding General, uh, gosh, when I started out, I was PFC. Uh, he handed me two tickets to the Masters. He had tickets and he couldn't go, so he gave me his tickets. And the wife and I, we're not, uh, we didn't know anything about golf. I just, uh, I just laid them down <laughs> and forgot about them. I think about nowadays how much I could have sold those tickets for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what were two master's tickets, especially were the deputy commanding general, you know, his spot that they had picked out for him. What would those two tickets have been worth? Been worth a lot. They, they, they weren't worth anything to me because you know I wasn't a golf fan. It's kind of like Beverly Hillbilly going to L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to take him out to Augusta Nashville. He played once a week. Uh, gosh, when he wasn't when he when he wasn't playing uh, golf, he played handball. That's his exercise. Uh, yeah, very, very active man. And that's the reason I traveled back to Fort Gordon when they denied my claim and said that I said I was a game warden and and the record showed that I was an MP. I knew he retired in the Fort Gordon area. And I was hoping he was still living uh, and could write me a statement that he had had me appointed as a game warden. But I never found any sign of him. Uh, Probably long gone dead. He, that would have put him up probably in his in his eighties at that time. Yeah, well, most folks his age are under the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The majority of them. So. It, 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 uh, it's so so hard uh, when you need buddy statements or you need a statement from somebody back then that knew what happened. But you know, it being a non-adversarial. Uh, process that makes yeah. it a lot easier us on on us veterans. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. There's a word, James, that we had in the Navy. It's an acronym. It's called Bohica. You ever heard that term? No, not heard. I wasn't in the Navy. Hadn't heard that one. Oh, bend over. Here it comes again. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> the non-adversarial rod, though? This uh. This, this non-adversarial process is really, really a joke. You know, it's something that we can laugh about now today comfortably. Well, like you were discussing earlier, they were making fun and laughing at the regional office about your claim. I would say that happens, you know, on a day-to-day basis more than more than we even know to a lot of veterans and a lot of claims. You know, uh, everybody that I spoke to about my claim no matter who they were or where they were in the VA system, their very first question was, Mr. Cripps, when did you serve in Vietnam? There was no room, there there was no capacity 
of the VA mindset to be able to handle a claim outside Vietnam, especially in the continental United States. It's true. It was... Uh, at that time, yeah, you're you know, right. Yeah. You know, I, and, I was at ground zero. Yeah. They uh, had no... They at that time, they couldn't even fathom that there was usage of Agent Orange inside the United States. Yeah, because no way, DOD because of the DOD's position. Yeah, the DOD just oh. adamantly denied ever using it in the continental United States. <laughs> and you were up against the M21, see, because they were to claim they used that M21 as a working manual. And uh, sure. which is basically a derivative off the Title 38 and the... Uh, you know, once they see your claim and say that you wasn't in Vietnam, you know, that's that's a, that's like looking at your claim and saying uh, you had a disarmable discharge or a bad conduct discharge, you know, the buck stopped there. They didn't want to go any further because they used that excuse that you weren't in Vietnam to deny your claim right off the bat. Well, I did so much research, and I was so thorough in it, I had to be, because nobody ever knew up until that point what it would take to to get a favorable decision on a claim like that. But in my hearing before the judge, I was able to say on July the 15th through the 17th, 1967, you leased a Bell G2 helicopter, and I gave the firm's name in Texas, and I gave the pilot's name. I said that Bell G2 helicopter was fitted with two 26-foot booms, each boom had seven nozzles. Each nozzle was set on three. You were making 50-foot swaths. And I told them how many gallons of each agent, three different agents, that they sprayed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's getting down there pretty thorough. Yep. Um, <clears throat> some of the you- journalists, some journalists got a hold of that. Um, and one of them called me, and he said, they have agreed at Fort Gordon to take us out into the field, into those areas. Um, and it's going to be Congressman Lindsey Graham was one of them, uh, the deputy commander of the post, the commander of the post, uh, and a busload of journalists, and, you know, it, it had done got into the public eye. So one of them called me one of them called me one morning, one of the journalists, he said, we're on the bus, and we're headed to the rear area, uh, rear area 42, to see uh, if there's any damage still there. And I said, if you're headed to area 42, you better tell that driver to turn that bus around. You're going to the wrong area. You go to area 47. Uh, I told him exactly where you turn exactly where you pull the bus over. I gave him a landmark. And I said, you walk across the road from there, and that's where the spraying took place. He called me back a few hours later, and he said, you were right. We demanded that we go to Area 47. And the bus driver followed my instructions, and we couldn't believe our eyes. The orange tags were still in the trees. They tagged those trees back during during the testing, and the orange trees were still. And this this was, uh, gosh, 2010, 2011. So after all of those years, after all of those years, the proof was still there. Yeah, so I guess that kind of got them moving pretty good, didn't it? Oh man, <laughs> and and put a little uh, distrust. Between the journalist uh, and the post personnel who were supposed to be directing them to the spray site, you know. <laughs> A little distrust. <laughs> I'm sure it did, yeah. When, when they had to tell the bus driver, turn around and go to this area, you know. I just talked to Mr. Cripps. You turn the bus around and go over here. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right, folks. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff involved with your VA claim. You know, uh, like James says, evidence does win your claim, and you have to have a lot of it. There's also, I hate to say this, a certain amount of luck involved. (laughs) It is. uh, You know, I can look back and things 
had to fall in place piece by piece. Um, for instance, when we got to Fort Gordon that day, it was straight up and down noon. I told my wife, I said, we're not going to find anything out for another hour. Everybody at noon goes and eats at the same time. I said, there's a snack bar over there. Let's pull over there and we'll eat too. I got in line behind a guy in, in, in BDUs, and he turned around. He saw my veteran's cap. He said, you're a veteran. I said, yeah. He said, what are, you, what are you doing down here, business or pleasure? I said, well, it's uh, business. And I told him what I was looking for, the evidence that I was needing. Uh, I needed to prove that I was a game warden um, there in 1967. This was 2009. So when the line got short, we got on up to the cash register. The guy said, when you get finished, you go up those stairs and you go in the first office to the right and the lady will have what you need. I said, and who are you? And he turned around and pointed to the bird on his uh, his uh, button line and he said, I'm the post commandant. <laughs> like I said, look. <laughs> yeah. It, it, had there been one guy between us, that conversation never would have taken place. But we got finished eating, and we went up those steps, and I went in the office, and I talked to the lady, and she was aware of what I was after. And she said, I don't have time to do it this evening. I'm really busy, but I'll have those letters for you first time, first thing in the morning, if you would like to pick them up. I said I would. And I looked across corners, and the commandant was sitting in his office. I said, when you get those done, would you have that guy in there sign them? She said, why? I'm the adjutant general. <laughs> so, you know, gosh, how lucky can a guy get? <laughs> like I said, luck does have something to do with it. But persistence on the veteran's part and strong evidence is actually what helps win your claim. Okay. The veteran has to gather okay. that evidence because the VA is not going to help you, even though they've got a duty to assist. they not, you know. In birds. Right. So, but also take in mind, folks, that uh, if, if you have a claim going on and the evidence is there and it's not found, and as long as the evidence is in the hands of the Department of Veteran Affairs or the DOD or even a military base, as long as it's in the hands of the government, uh, if, even if your claim's been going on 20 years, you've been getting denied. If you've got that evidence listed in the hands of the government, you're supposed to use uh, Title 38. Uh, 3.156 missing department records or evidence like that, and that should uh, that should guarantee your effective date is your original filing date. So pay attention to that because it's very important. And if they do not use 3.156 any point in your claim, even though your service department records were not available, or they were if they were later found and used in your decision in your claim. Then, and they don't give you the award back to your earliest date, then that's that can be considered a clear and unmistakable error, and you can call them to task on it. Because the error that they committed was not following the uh, Title 38 CFR Part 3, and they violated 3.156 because they did not uh, they did not use that in, in in your decision. So always keep that in mind. And be you. To keep your paperwork up to date, whenever they 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 send you uh, communications out, respond to that communication uh, as soon as humanly possible. And if you need an extension, you don't feel you have enough time, you can apply for extension. Usually they'll grant it. Uh, if not. Oh, we're out of time. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, James, it's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, God bless your group, and I hope we can get you all back on here real real soon. And, John, thanks a lot for being there. We'll get James uh, back on, Gerald, and let him explain more in detail about what his organization does because, you know, well, yes, they, we will. they need some advertising because, I mean, you know, Hat is a big resource, you know, with 13,000 well, members. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can't can't lend them a hand here best we can. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're down to thirty seconds. We'll be uh, this will be Daryl Cook with the 
uh, and the podcast will be signing off for now. Thank you, James. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show. That's a good show, Drew. Hey, Gerald. Gerald. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.